the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. If Jesus Christ is God, then he demands absolute obedience and surrender. He doesn't want a half-hearted, partly committed Christian. The Bible calls us to surrender our lives to him and commit our lives to him and to, to give him our bodies as our sacrifice. Say, Lord, you live through me. The Lord is looking for believers who aren't afraid to stand alone and to proclaim an uncompromising message of full surrender to Christ. And let me tell you, I'll just warn you, if you do that, you're going to be called all kinds of things. You're going to be called a legalist. You're going to be called uh, old-fashioned, uh, narrow-minded. I was called this week negative, expected. Joshua, the leader of Israel who took over from Moses, declared his commitment to Jehovah. He stated in Joshua 24, 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You are tuned in to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are in the middle of a three-part message today on the Old Testament prophet Elijah. Today, he will face the 450 prophets of Baal in what is probably the most remembered spiritual contest in the entire Bible. Have your Bibles open to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're so grateful that you have joined our class for today. Pastor Steve enjoys these times when he can teach the truths of God's Word, the Bible. He has been pastor of Lakeside for over 30 years. The church is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. He would love to meet you, so if you're ever in the area, stop by for a service and greet him. The church's phone number is 727-441-1714. Call for service times. Now to lead our class, here is Pastor Steve. So there are three groups there. All right, three main groups. Number one is the sons of Israel. The people are there. How many? We don't know, but probably thousands of people were on that mountain. Jewish people, not prophets, just Jewish people. And then the prophets of, of Baal. And, and maybe assembly, maybe the prophets of Asherah are there. We're just not told. They're not mentioned again. And then there's Elijah along with Ahab. So it's really four groups, but primarily... You've got to understand the two groups, the people and the prophets. And Elijah addresses the people in verse 21. He came near to the people and he said, now he's not speaking to the prophets. This is, this is the people. And he said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal, follow him. The people did not answer him a word. You want to know a literal translation of the Hebrew text? Even if you don't want to know, I'm going to tell you. A literal translation of the Hebrew text is this. How long will you consider to hobble between the two forks of the road? 
See, the word hesitate means hobble or, or totter. And sometimes they swayed over to this side to the Lord and they followed him a little bit. And sometimes they swayed over to this side to Baal and they followed him. Now, that was their basic problem. I don't want you to misunderstand. Their basic problem wasn't that they totally rejected the Lord. No, that wasn't it at all. Their problem was that they wanted both the Lord and Baal. They just wanted to add the Lord to, to uh, just another God, just like Baal. They wanted the, the best of both worlds in their, their way of probably putting it. They just mingled their worship of Baal with Jehovah and thought it was all right. And what Elijah is doing is calling the people to make up their minds because they can't have both Jehovah and Baal. He is challenging them to stop swaying and either go to one side and stay there. You know, that is why Elijah stood alone. That is the real issue of, the, of Elijah's day. It's the real issue of our day. But that's why Elijah stood alone, because he understood that the true God of Israel has no rivals. One of the Ten Commandments says that there is to be no other gods but me. I am a jealous God, the Lord God says. No other, I tolerate no other gods. I don't compromise in any way, and especially at that point. I'm a jealous God. And he doesn't tolerate any competition. And that was Elijah's message. And it made him stand out from the crowd of his day and stand alone. And he did. And I want you to know it is no different today. The 21st century church strongly resembles Israel and its desire to follow the Lord and the world. In fact, that is probably the greatest battle the church faces is, is compromising. Just, you know, following the Lord up to a point, but following the world also and mingling the two. And they just don't mix. They just don't mix. The, the church sometimes, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about the church in general. The 21st century church obeys the Lord sometimes, but she wants to enjoy the pleasures of the world. And so what she often does is just drag the, the appealing things of the world into the church and she rearranges her theology to fit her desires. And that's why we have so many people with false doctrine. Because they have to change their doctrine to fit their morality. And to fit their, their crazy thinking, which is not in line with the word of God. Listen, I, I want you to know that when you accept Christ, this is why we feel so strongly about the issue of repentance and submission to his lordship. Accepting Christ is not just something you do. It's not just something that you do. Oh, sure, I'll, I'll do that. Sure, I'll, I'll be religious. No. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we read about this was a great church. But verse 9 of chapter 1, Paul is commending them. This is, a, this is one of the greatest churches. Paul says in verse 9, For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you. And how you what? You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You see, Paul recognized that you can't follow the world and follow the idolatry that represented your old way of life and follow the Lord. You either have to turn from one at least have that desire to turn from one, and you turn to the Lord. The Lordship of Christ demands that. And today's man of God, woman of God, boy or girl of God, has to be like Elijah. And our message has to be, if the Lord Jesus Christ is God, then follow him all the way. No compromise. Total obedience. And if he's not God, which a better way of putting it is, if you don't believe he's God... 
because he is God, then you follow what you think is right. But, but don't play games with Christ. Either you have absolute commitment to him or don't say you're a believer. The word of God just calls for a higher standard than most people in a local church are, are ready to admit. And I was, um, I was talking to a man this week who, um, who told me this. He said, you know, I don't mind people accepting Christ, but uh, why do they have to get into the Bible so much and, and, and really study the Bible and tell others about it? See, he missed the whole point. He missed the whole point. This was an unbeliever, and, and it's understandable that he missed the point, but many believers missed the point. If Jesus Christ is God, then he demands absolute obedience and surrender. He doesn't want a half-hearted, partly committed Christian. And sometimes we, we read passages in 1 Corinthians which speaks about carnal believers, and we say, well, that, that give, that, you know, I'm in that category. Uh, there's a legitimate category. Listen, God isn't telling us about that. He isn't uh, commending them for being carnal. He's condemning them for being carnal. The Bible calls us to surrender our lives to him and commit our lives to him and to, to give him our bodies as our sacrifice. To say, Lord, you live through me. The Lord is looking for believers who aren't afraid to stand alone and to proclaim an uncompromising message of full surrender to Christ. And let me tell you, I'll just warn you, if you do that, you're going to be called all kinds of things. You're going to be called a legalist. You're going to be called uh, old-fashioned, uh, narrow-minded. I was called this week negative. Expect it. The Bible doesn't tell us all the names Elijah was called. But I can guarantee you they had some mean things to think about him and I'm sure say about him. Now, after Elijah got through challenging Israel to follow the Lord, the end of verse 21 says they didn't say a word. I imagine they were stunned. Nobody had ever spoken to them like that. So where were the other prophets? They were hid. Why were they in hiding? Because they weren't standing alone. There were others. Obadiah said, I've, I've hit a hundred in the caves. Where were they? Obviously, they were not there. Why wasn't Obadiah saying anything? I don't know if he was there or not. But Obadiah was a compromiser. In fact, it got so bad that Elijah complains to the Lord later on. He said, Lord, I'm the only one who hasn't bowed the knee to Baal. And God says, now, wait a minute. You're the only one you know about. I've got 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. But the point is that they were so silenced that Elijah didn't even know that they were there. Because Elijah is the only one taking a stand. And it's becoming more and, and, and more popular these days for Christians not to take a stand and to just go along with the world and sort of, and people who want to take Christ and the world and say, why fight it? Let's just, you know, make the church just like the world in our, in our music, in our theology, in our way of looking at things. Let's just let the world come into the church and we'll just, let, we'll just relate to them. Elijah wasn't one who related. In fact, he didn't look like them. He didn't talk like them. He didn't act like them. He stood alone. But they didn't answer a word. They were stunned. And so he goes on to give them a different kind of a challenge. Verse 21. Actually, verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now, let them give two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood and will not put a fire under it. 
Then you call on the name of your God and I'll call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He's God. That's his challenge. Elijah is saying, all right, uh, let, let me demonstrate something. I want to prove that the Lord God is the only God. So he he gives Baal's prophets and Baal every benefit and every advantage. First of all, just saying let's have a contest by fire is giving Baal, in their eyes at least, an advantage. You know why? Baal was the god of the sun. If there's anything that he ought to be able to do, it's start a fire, right? And not only that, not only was it a test by fire, not only was that to Baal's advantage, but Baal had all of his prophets standing right by. After all, the Lord only has one fellow. That's Elijah. Baal has 450 men. Certainly, he could call on fire with all of his, all of his men. No excuse for failure. If anyone could call on Baal and get results, for the 450 prophets could. In addition to that, the false prophets got the first choice of the ox, which ox they'd put on the wood. Everything was in favor of Baal. And the people knew it. So I, I kind of like what they say at the end. All the people answer, that's a good idea. You know, that, that, sounds, that sounds fair. We'll go along with that. You want to know why Elijah gave, gave Baal every advantage? I thought about that this week. Why, why would he do all that? It's only one answer. He had absolute confidence in the Lord. All of the advantages didn't matter. Absolute confidence in the Lord. You see, when you stand alone with God, it's because you know the power and faithfulness of God, and you don't need anybody else to stand with you. And it doesn't matter what disadvantages you have. That's not the issue. The issue is who you're standing with, not the advantage or disadvantage. You say, well, where do you get this absolute confidence in the Lord? You get to know the Lord and you get to know this confidence and you get to know how you can trust him by spending time alone with him and then watching him fulfill his word to you. You spend time with him. You obey him. You do what he wants. You watch him fulfill his word to you and you are in fellowship with him. And what happens as a result of that is a growing confidence in the Lord. And isn't that what happened to Elijah? Isn't that what God did to prepare him at the brook and, and at Zarephath? If God could feed him by ravens and a poor widow, then what's a little fire from heaven? And what's all the advantage that Baal has? It really doesn't matter. See, most of us wouldn't dare make a challenge like Elijah did because we really doubt God. The bottom line is we doubt God. We don't want to get God in trouble. Oh, we don't want to make this great boast about the Lord and then he'll embarrass himself and embarrass us. But you see, when you have proven his faithfulness by personal experience, then you're not afraid to risk your whole reputation and to risk the reputation of the Lord. You're just, you're just not afraid. And that was, that was where Elijah was coming from. And this is why you and I ought not to be discouraged by the trials and the difficulties and the, and the problems that you have now. Because God is using all of that to conform us to the kind of person he wants us to be. Elijah has been prepared for this hour. It's no sweat to him. It's no problem to him. It, it doesn't matter if there is 4,000 false prophets of Baal. He just doesn't care because he knows who's on his side and he knows whose side he's on and he knows him. 
And, you know, you and I need to need to really be thankful. And the Lord says in everything, give thanks. We need to be thankful for all the problems you have, the difficulties at work, the difficulties in your family, the difficulties at, at your jobs, at your school, at your any circumstance of life, because they're preparing you to trust God and they're preparing you to know that you can depend on him in the darkest moments of life. When you stand alone, you don't stand on your feelings. You stand on the faithfulness of the Lord God and you need to have seen him work in your life and you need to have have proven his word faithful. So Elijah gives that that challenge. He's given the challenge and the people accepted it. Now let's look at the contest. Verses 25 and 26. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one ox for yourselves and prepare it first for you are many. And call on the name of your God, but put no fire under. Why do you say no tricks, fellas? No deceitfulness. Don't, you know, strike a match and leave it there. No, no tricks. Then they took the ox, which was given to them, and they prepared, prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar, which they made. Now, Elijah says to the prophets, you go first. And they did. From morning until noon, they performed a weird, and I emphasize that word weird, ritual. Dr. Edersheim is a great uh, Christian scholar, and in his Bible history, he has a book on Bible history, he gives the following accounts of this scene based on authentic information. He writes this, Now commence the scene which baffles description. Ancient writers have left us accounts of the great Baal festivals, and they closely agree with the narrative of the Bible, only furnishing further details. First arose a comparatively moderate, though already wild cry to Baal, followed by a dance around the altar, beginning with a swinging motion to and fro. The howl then became louder and louder, and the dance more frantic. They swirled round and round, ran wildly through each other's ranks, always keeping up a circular motion, the head bent low so that their long, disheveled hair swept the ground. Now, that was the hideous scene that Elijah watched. And he is watching. I don't know what he's doing, but I'd like to imagine that Elijah's kind of leaning against the tree and said, look at these guys, what are they doing? And I know that he's laughing to himself because he begins to mock them with sarcasm. Verse 27 came about at noon that Elijah mocked them, he called out with a loud voice. And he said where he said to them, call out with a loud voice for he's a God. Either he's occupied or gone astray or he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. Elijah's saying, look, look, fellas, if you want to get a God's attention, you got to call loud. Scream a little louder. He's mocking them. He is taunting them. He is being sarcastic. And the first thing he says, he's maybe he's occupied. You know what that means? It means he's in deep thought. He's meditating. Yell louder if you want to, you want to get a God's attention. Now, I'm going to say the next part as delicately as I can. Because he says, maybe he's gone astray. And because we have biblical integrity here, I've got to tell you what that means. It is one of the few times in the Bible... That the Bible says, maybe he's gone to the restroom. Now really, that's what it's, maybe he's gone to the bathroom. Now some believe, in all fairness to this, some believe that it's a reference to going hunting. But I think those people take all the fun out of the Bible when you say that. But uh, 
In either case, he's saying, yell louder. He's busy. He's gone away. If you want to get a God's attention, you've got to yell. And then he says, maybe he's on a journey. You know, maybe he's vacationing in Florida. Maybe, maybe he's gone a little trip. Yell louder. Maybe he's asleep and needs to be awakened. You know, it was a rough night last night. You're just sleeping late. Call louder. Now, you might think that Elijah is being cruel, but I want to tell you, he's, he's not. He's really not. If it was a personal matter, he'd be very cruel. We aren't to be sarcastic concerning ourselves. But this isn't a matter between him and the prophets. This is not personal vengeance. This is holy sarcasm in which God's man is pointing out the absolute absurdity of idolatry compared to the omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient Lord God. And there's a difference. In fact, do you realize that even God himself laughs at the foolishness of the heathen? That's right. That's right. In fact, in in Psalm 2, verse 4, the Bible says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them, and he scoffs at them in in their audacity. God looks down and laughs at puny man who worships anything but him. Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8, say this. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become just like them, everyone who trusts in them. God God himself laughs and is sarcastic to those who who follow idolatry. So what did Elijah's ridicule do? It only stirred the prophets into a greater frenzy. They can't stand this. I mean, after all the people are watching them and they're being proven to be phonies, fakes, and so is their God. Look at verse 28 and 29. So they cried with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances till the blood gushed out of them. Came about when midday was passed, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. In their humiliation and in their panic, they are panic stricken now and frustrated. They cry out louder and louder and louder and they begin to inflict self-torture on themselves. They cut themselves until the blood gushed out. Why did they do that? Probably to um, hoping to arouse Baal's attention and pity. But the heavens just remain silent. I want you to know that there is an interesting principle here. I spoke to someone recently who told me that, you know, many people have their own concept of God. Christians have theirs. The, the Muslims have theirs. The Jewish people have theirs. I said, wait a minute. That's not really the issue at all. The issue is truth. If you want to meet people who are sincere, then meet the false prophets of Baal. If sincerity ever got a person to heaven, then these fellows were going. But sincerity never did and never will. Sincerity is not the issue because a person may be sincerely wrong. The issue is truth. The issue is who are you following? The issue is who do you believe in? The object of your faith, not how much faith you have or how much sincerity you have. The point is that they were wrong whether they were sincere or not. Because they worshiped the wrong God. It has always amazed me that 450 grown, intelligent men 
could believe in a carved idol that had never done and never could do anything to demonstrate that it was alive. But as we look at our world today, we have millions of intelligent people who believe in the false god of evolution. They do so because they don't want to admit there is a god to whom they will someday have to answer and give account. How tragic it will be for them. Thank you for being in class today. Verse by Verse Ministries is dependent on listeners like you who have been blessed by these Bible studies. Would you consider becoming a prayer partner with us and pray daily for the program? Your financial support would also be greatly appreciated. Both are needed to keep this ministry on the air. Contact us today. Our email address is contact at versebyverseradio.org. And our phone number is 727-239-0306. Our website is versebyverseradio.org. Once there, you can listen to this study and many others by clicking on Message Archive, then either Sort by Date or Sort by Album. Download as many as you would like. They are free for the taking. We want to help you in your daily walk with Christ. Our phone number again is... 727-239-0306. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden. On our next verse-by-verse program, we'll conclude this message as we look at the consequences of the spiritual battle being waged by Elijah. Be sure to join us. Faith Talk 570 W. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.